Hi everyone, this is Fernando from Moonspell. This is Missy Avila from Your Chance to Die. I'm Corey Hoffing from Crimson Shadows. This is Heather Michelle from Grave Shadow. Hey, this is Paul Mazurkowitz, the drummer from Cannibal Corpse, and you are listening to The Great Metal Debate. podcast is back, listeners, with another artist interview forged in molten metal. I'm extremely honored to be joined by Rob the Witch, singer and guitarist for the Canadian metal band Necronomicon. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the Great Metal Debate podcast. Hey, no problem. It's my pleasure. Rob, let's begin by getting folks up to speed on the history of Necronomicon, especially for individuals who aren't familiar with the background. When was the band formed and how did the band come together? That's, uh, I'm going to make a short version because it could be extremely long. But um, myself started the band in, uh, watch out, 1988. So uh, we're talking about a little while ago. And um, of course, you know, at the beginning, it was a little bit different. You know, it was the end of the 80s and, uh, you know, things were really different back then. And on top of that, I was living, I was not living in a major city. I was living up in the north in the Great Mountains. So it was quite a challenge to start, you know, doing a band and try to do something, you know, because people just want to play cover there and, you know, like play music for their girlfriends. And that's a little bit cheesy, but that's the way it is. So, you know, the band started to be more active, really starting like two years after, like in 1990. And uh, we started to make some shows here and there. And, um, you know, uh, it's, I'm the only original member. So, uh, you know, it would be long to say that this happened and that guy left for this and that. So, uh, but uh, the main thing is like our first demo tape, like when to, um, 1991, uh, 92, uh, started to kind of, we started to have a kind of interest from major cities and other place you know i can see in the country and uh some people start to say you should be like uh you should do something more serious you know try to move somewhere somewhere where you know, the mar- there's a market so in 93 we moved to montreal that's uh, one of the big city here in um, the french part actually of uh, canada and uh, since then we've been working our way up and um yeah that's that's to make a short uh, answer, that's that's pretty much it. So we've been uh, we never stopped on top of that. So uh, I never stopped the band. We've always been playing, you know, and uh, recording whenever we could. Because at one point there's been uh, some uh, when we moved in Montreal, uh, the time to adapt, you know, to everyone. You have to to get in your mind that it's six hours away from where we were living. So we needed to. Uh, reinstall everything you know ourselves and get jobs and so it took a little while before we've been able to record something after that but we never stopped and uh, here we are you know and 2016 and uh, still going strong 88's a long time ago metal and music generally has changed so much since that time yeah. i'm curious about your your thoughts about how things have changed and in many ways that 
you would never have anticipated. Uh, yes, uh, especially the um, the music industry have evolved so much. I mean, uh, back in the days, it was still cassette. You know, CDs were just starting. Uh, of course, with the our second release was a CD, and it was like, wow, we have a CD. You know, <laughs> it was like the big thing is '94, I think '95, maybe. And, uh, you know, it was still like when the time when labels were putting money, a little bit more money and stuff like that. Of course, with the, you know, what everything that happened with the internet, uh, you know, it, it have changed so much. It's not, we don't sell CDs as, you know, like back in the days, it was so different. You were selling CDs and even if you were selling 20,000 CDs, it was not enough. These days, if you're selling twenty yeah, twenty thousand CDs, you're you're the big you're the big shit, you know. <laughs> so it's it's a little bit like uh, it's weird for people who aren't familiar with Necronomicon. How would you best describe what they should expect from the band, both in terms of the music that they hear on CD or other form, as well as the live performance? Well, of course, I have to I have to to be honest that we're playing extreme metal. That's, I mean, everyone knows that. That's 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 really clear when you see like the picture of the band and you hear the songs. It's it's you know it's not commercial stuff. Um, I mean, people are saying that we're playing a, a, a hybrid of black death metal. Uh, myself, I just say we play extreme metal, but really dark. I mean, uh, of course, uh, people say, "Oh, but you were a little bit different before." Of course, because things are changing. You know, if you're listening to my my first songs that I was writing for the band, and and, and at the end of the '80s, uh, of course, it's not it's different from what I'm writing today. You know, we we evolve. We we have like uh, different influences there and there. The main the main focus of the, of the band haven't changed though. Uh, we, our main influence always been Celtic Frost, you know, and, uh, you know, bands from that era, like Bathory, the first album, and, you know, Venom, and I'm from that time. So, of course, that's when I started to do the band, I wanted to have something like kind of occult and a three-piece band and all that stuff. With time, it evolved, and uh, I always wanted to, I'm, I'm repeating myself with the Celtic Frost, you know, stuff there because it's the band that wanted made me want to have like ambience and female vocals and you know, orchestration part because they, they did that in, in to Megatarian album and I was totally blown away. So of course when it, we started our first recording we didn't have the means to have that because there was no digital sampling or uh, you know, or orchestral like samples or things like that, or uh, even so to hired other musician, I didn't have the budget to do that. So, you know, there was not much of that on the first release, but with time we, we, we've been able to put that together. And, you know, as soon as the band started to have more a name, we've been able, and the technology advanced also. You have to remember that, you know, we were re recording on tape, you know, a few years ago so that was totally different you can you know edit and do in computer and just sound replacement you couldn't do that so i mean i think i think we've always been honest to, our, to ourselves that said we're playing kind of extreme dark metal but uh i know some people are saying that we're, we're doing like a demi Borger or behemoth but people have to remember that we were there before these guys so uh I mean, it's, it's extreme metal, you know. 
That's extreme metal. That's really occult, though. We talk about a lot of occult stuff. I do want to ask you kind of about the, the composition of the band. Uh, you all have three musicians in the band? Yeah. It's, uh, and it's Well, we, we've been four at one point. Uh, let's say uh, more in the beginning. Uh, because uh, there was uh, it was extremely democratic, if I can say. Everyone had their words on everything, and there was a kind of guy. Oh, I want to have my friend in the band, blah blah blah. So at one point, I, we we accepted another guitarist, but uh, didn't last really long. So, but uh, the the main idea of the band was to be a three piece band. Yes. Well, I'm curious because you don't see that as much any longer. You yeah. you tend to see bands who who continue to add members. I mean, it's it's not at all uncommon to see yeah. metal bands that are six pieces now. And so I, I wonder if being a three piece provides any challenges, especially performing live and recreating the studio sound in the live environment. Well, uh, it is a challenge. Uh, it may. There's some aspect of being a three-piece band that makes things more complicated. Uh, but in, uh, on the other side, there's uh, some really big, big, big uh, advantages. Um, for example, I mean, it's less trouble for us to get on the road, uh, like for in a tour bus, for example. If you go um, on a tour and you have to split the share for uh, you know to split the, the, the you know the bill for um, for a tour bus, uh, usually there's some bands who end up end up like a, they have to rent an extra van or a car or whatever to drive by themselves because there's not enough place in the tour bus because of the staff and like to like other bands are like seven or six or whatever. The Chronomicon fit everywhere because we're just three. You know, uh, stuff like that is really funny. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we have to be more, uh, we, we can't, you know, we're not allowed too much error because we're just three-piece band. Uh, you don't have a second guitarist to hide your errors behind. And so it's, uh, it, it needs a lot of practice and, you know, to fix everything together. And for the orchestral part, uh, everything is uh, sampled. So uh, my uh, our drummer is playing with um, is in control of of the orchestral parts. So when we we finish the recording, we're going to a studio to mix the orchestration and and um, and function of how we're gonna play live. So we make tests after that. We're going in a full PA and a practice studio and you know try to balance everything to be there. So it's a lot of work. And after that, we have to go back in studio to fix if stuff that doesn't pass really well. And, you know, for example, like the brass or whatever, you know, oh, here because of with the guitar sound, it, it, it clashes a little bit. You need to fix that. And uh, when you record an album, it's really different because you, you make everything happen right there. And it, it's everything after that's compressed and limited and you go to the mastering. So you do that but you know when you, you get to the live situation it's a total different story so you need to do a studio again to 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 balance all that and uh when it's done we get that into a, a player that we have with a special uh, plug in a special way with a little mixer and my drummer is controlling that on the side and you have like metronomes so necronomicon yes necronomicon playing with a metronome like so where so we can play with the the samples of the orchestral you know all the orchestration 
So we're, when my drummer, so we're not allowed to make an error because if we make an error, everything's going like, yeah, it's going to be the song is fucked. So w- sounds like yeah, it, it all it almost holds you accountable to 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 almost perform perfectly live yep. to have that sort yeah, of it's exact- that sort of constraint. Yeah, we don't have it. It's it's as simple as that. So we accepted that if we're going to play with that aspect. You know, with the orchestration and, you know, like uh, female voices and choirs and stuff like that. And sometimes I, I, I have double, I, do, I have double and triple my voice with different kind of voice on the album. So I can't do the same voice that doing at the same time in life. You know, I can do only one more on, on one voice at a time. So I have playbacks on my vocals uh, to double myself or, you know, using like a more, a more black metal voice or more narration voice that at the same time on my voice. So I have all, we don't have a choice to be like perfectly on the metronome. So every show, you know, and it's been many years we're playing like that. And, uh, actually we started at the beginning of 2000, if I remember correctly. I think in 2001 or something like that we were playing with the metronome. And so it, it need it forced the band to be to be extremely tight. Yes, it's it's pretty t- challenging, but you get used to it. And despite those challenges, I'm I'm amazed when you talk about there there are literally economic benefits to to having that small uh, band size. That's very interesting. I never considered that before. Yeah, because of of course the, the, you know a band. The more the band is, that's that's something that's really some people don't think about it. The more a band is getting popular. The more expensive is the band. It's that's a reality because you need to do more promotion. You need to be on bigger tour, and that's that's like a secret. That's not a secret anymore, actually. I should say it's that to get on some tour, you need to pay sometime. You need to make a deposit. If and if if you go on a tour bus, you know uh, some people have said, okay, we split like in three parts. The tour bus, or other people said we're gonna we we're um, we're selling by bunks. Some people, some agency do that. So you buy your bed and you have to pay it for a month because you need to pay the freaking tour bus there. A tour bus is around two thousand dollar per day. You know, so that's a lot of money. And Absolutely. So yeah. the more you're going, the bigger you're going, the more expensive. Is the band and the public wants to have quality because you you can't have like your best friend doing a little drawing for your album cover. You need to have professional people. And that people you need to pay them. So the bigger you are, the more expenses you have. And at the same time, you know, because we we have to be honest with each other. It's it's like I said, it's different today. So people doing less money with music and less albums are selling CDs. Everything is going digital and people don't want to pay for music. So the bands are doing less money than before. Being three, it's easier to get the money by, by that being six. So sounds like uh, sounds like you've learned to maybe play smarter, not harder. Yeah. Like for example, uh, we just say like Demi Borgir. There were six in the band. Officially, the band is just three now. They have session player. They have like Shagrat, Silenos, like in, uh, what's his name, Galder. That's officially as the three Dimir Borgir guys. They fire all the other ones. There was no, I mean, it's maybe not the reason, but, but because I don't, I don't know the details, but three guys, it's, it's easier to make money with three guys than with six guys. 
Absolutely. We're talking money here. It's, it's, sure. uh, and you know, some people have said, oh, it's all about money, but having a band is a business. You know, if you want to go somewhere and like James Brown was saying, it's 75% business and 25% music. Rob, let's talk about the newest business for Necronomicon. Talk about your new album, Advent of the Human God. Uh, that's set for North American release on March 25th. Uh, tell us about uh, what inspired this album. Uh, that album is like, uh, I, I could say like the part three of Return of the Witch. Because uh, when we started in 2010, it was Return of the Witch. It was uh, the comeback to the root. Because the, the roots of the band was like kind of having a really dark uh, impression, but um, really galactic impression also on the, the cycle of life and everything. We've always been like that. But uh, on previous album before and previous lineup of the band, uh, there was some people who were trying, they wanted to experiment and do some stuff and other people didn't like, were not feeling comfortable comfortable with the dark look of the band so uh, for a certain number of year, we ha uh, years we had to drop uh, costumes and mm, corpse paint and stuff like that you know because it was extremely democratic and I was the only one trying to hold like uh, having like uh, you know dark image so we had to go uh, 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 we went away a little bit from um, from that point but in 2000 after Farov got released uh, we had some major issues with labels and everything, and everyone quit in the band. So at that point, I started to say, okay, uh, I'm going to keep going, but the band's going to come back to the roots. So uh, slowly, we started to go back to the roots. And uh, in 2010, with Return of the Witch, it was all out. We came back with the band, uh, the image of the band that was at the origin, the, the entire idea. So from that point, it was like... Uh, developing like the part three of a kind of a trilogy, but it's really hard to explain because it could be taken as a trilogy, but it could every, every each album is really different at the same time. So it's the logical continuation from the point of return of the witch. And there was rise of the other ones in between. So that album was not really like a big work in the sense of, Oh, I need to find inspiration. It was already planned from, uh, it was already an image clear, really an, uh, an image really clear in my head uh, from all, all the way from 2010. Well, I've had an opportunity to listen to this album the past couple of weeks. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm really blown away by it. Have have my own favorite cra tracks on there, uh, Crown of Thorns, I just love that one, and, and uh, Bringer of Light. Uh, really good as well. I'm curious, uh, how, how long have you had these songs in development and kind of what was the production process for the album? Uh, I'm usually, usually I'm always one album ahead, sometimes two. So, um, I mean, it's not that it's been like work and rework and rework. It's not that way, but the songs and the concept of the album was, like I said, was already floating there uh, since 2010, uh, like Rise of the Other One was fr was there also, you know, more developed in my head when we uh, was writing Return of the Witch. So, so saying that, it means that already when I'm talking to you right now about the new album is going to come out, I'm already have another one in my head. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the concept and everything, and I have some songs. 
that I can I could just sit down and play actually. And um but uh yeah that album I mean I wanted to first thing for the hard work I wanted to go different from the two others. The two others were like compositing of image and a photo that the guy w- went to do like take some pictures and he edited it and did a really good job. But now I wanted to go more vintage, you know, like with painting and stuff like that. So we hired a, an artist from here. Um, I was not expecting that, but I saw the, some work of the guy and I went, well, okay, we're going to stay in the country finally because the other guy was a German guy. I said, okay, uh, I'm going to tell you the, um, the title of the the album and you're just gonna draw draw some stuff and me I came with my idea I liked my idea better so and from that point we had this working on the side at the same time that we started to go in studio but in the studio for that album it was a little bit more complicated because we needed the progression to be all at the same time so I was going in the studio recording with a band and after I was going to another studio to record the orchestra the orchestration. And the album has been mixed on the third studio in US. So I had to go from one studio to the other. And the last one, I couldn't go. Uh, it was in Dallas with the uh, GFD studio with uh, uh, Jeff Dajne from Cataclysm. Uh, but I couldn't go there physically. So we had to work on Skype like uh, almost uh, for, for many days, like 12 hours per day <laughs> or something like that. So it was, it was pretty intense, like to going from one studio, uh, because the band had to record with the demo version of the orchestration to be sure where we're going. And at the same time where I was taking the try, uh, the same demo and going to the orche- uh, orchestration studio, a uh, silver wing studio here in Montreal to work on the orchestral part uh, with the same demo. And after that, we built everything at the, at the mix. We put everything together, the, the orchestration and the band. So that was a lot of work, yeah. That's amazing, being able to work via Skype with another artist. Talk about how things have changed since back in the 1980s. Yeah, but I, it was cool for the mix. It was cool to work on Skype. It was a first for me. But I would have liked better to, if I, I could have done it, I would have flied there and just stayed there like maybe a week and a half you know, and just work the album because there was some stuff that we we needed to. I mean, you listen to the stuff on Skype, but the quality is lost. You lose a little bit the quality of the mix. So he needed to upload it and send the track. So I listen at home and after going back and said, okay, we need to fix this and that. So, I mean, it's cool to we, we've been able to do it that way. But at the same time, I would have liked better. It would have been faster, I could say. Uh, I should say, if I, I went there. But uh, it's pretty interesting and experience, though. Absolutely. Well, hey, Rob, I want to ask you, we've talked, interviewed a, a number of uh, individuals from bands from the from the Montreal area on our podcast before. Car Chaos, Beyond Creation, uh, The Agonist, Hollow. Uh, I'm curious, what is that scene like, and why is it such fertile ground for metal music there in Montreal? That's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I think, yeah, it's really fertile. I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to say a number, but I think they may be like around Montreal and, you know, in Quebec province is maybe 200 bands. Um, I'm saying that. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. In Montreal, that's crazy. There's a lot of bands. I mean, uh, it's a good question. 
Um, I don't know. I am. I, I really, I really don't know why there's so many bands. But the thing is that at the same time, there's a lot of bands, but there's not much band doing, you know, stuff. I, I can say that going on the road and pretty much, uh, it's pretty much local bands doing a little stuff here, few shows in Ontario because it's next door, and that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, we don't have much band that's going worldwide, you know, uh, few exception, you know, like, uh, from, um, what's the name? Beyond Creation, uh, Beyond Creation, uh, Diagonist is going a little more in Europe a lot, I think. I'm not sure. And maybe like one, but of course, this cataclysms come from here. Yeah. I mean, but, um, they're not really living here anymore. Most of the guys are living, uh, in US. Uh, Cryptopsy also. But that's, yes. Oh yeah. Um, I was about to say Gorguts, but they're not from Montreal. So, <laughs> but they're they're from Quebec. Uh, but beside that, I mean, it's a handful of band. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I think maybe because the industry is not really strong because there's nothing here. There's no record label and everything. So the bands have to work like four or five times harder to get noticed and get on the market. So, I mean, there's not a lack of talent because there's so much different kind of band here. It's, it's insane. But the reason why uh, there's so many bands, I have no clue. Really, no clue. I, as an outsider, it's just impressive. I mean, I think almost every metal fan in uh, North America would want to uh, uh, come to Montreal just for the metal. Yeah, well... Yes and no, I think that there's a big problem here and some people, uh, for example, there's a, a girl from, um, from BC, the other side of the country that moved here and she started, a, she's tried to start a band. She's always playing in metal bands up there. She's a guitarist, singer, whatever. And, um, and as she came here and she noticed that there's a problem here. It's a, it's a like kind of a really, um, I have difficulty to find the right word to not say crap. <laughs> that, that it's really narrow-minded. Like everyone is like in the little scene and don't really help each other if they're not you're not in their circle. And I think it's quite a little bit pathetic. I mean, I don't say that to like put down anyone, but as soon here, as soon as you have a little bit of success, you get bitched. Yeah, you get bit so hard. I mean, it happened to Cataclysm, it happened to other bands, and instead of encouraging and seeing that the bands are, you know, paving the way for them, they just, you know, start some stuff. And I think it's one of the reasons maybe why some bands don't go further than just around here. It's really sad because myself, I'm not, I'm not originally from here. I'm coming more from the north, and uh, it's something that really. Strike me when I, I came to Montreal, but um, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, it's good here and it's not good at the same time, you know. Sure, sure. Maybe a little more nuanced than an outsider would see. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it it looks really, really nice from outside, but inside, it's it it would need some work. Yeah, but uh, me myself, I'm trying to help people as much as I can because it's. You know, you can't go on like that, you know. You go nowhere. <laughs> so Sure, sure. Well, Rob, after the release of Advent of the Human God, again in North America on March 25th, what's uh, the plan after that for Necron- 
Necronomicon, and when can fans expect to see the band out on the road? Uh, yeah, so we're actually we already um, our agents are already like looking for tour right now. Um, we received some offer for some festivals, whereas try to work out to it's in process of being like decided if we go or not depending of like many factors uh but uh, i don't know it's going to depend of the my agents uh we're working with a continental agency uh, based in la and uh it's up to them actually i, I told them the album's coming uh, you know they, this is the date this is the promo there's a one single out already blah 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 all the you know typical stuff and um it's for them to decide, actually. So it's really hard to say, but for sure we're going in back in U.S. Uh, since uh, Rise of the Other One, uh, 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 tours have been really, really good for us down there. Down there, like if we're living in the South. <laughs> you guys are living in the South. It's really weird. But it's a way to speak, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, of course, we're pretty excited to go back in U.S. So people should... Uh uh, watch your Facebook page and other sources. Just look. A tour will be forthcoming. Just no details yet. No, I have no details uh, at all that I can uh, I can share, unfortunately. Uh, but it's just to keep in touch with the band. Uh, we're always posting like uh, you know news and stuff like. We try to be updated as much as possible. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Well, finally, Rob, what are the best ways for fans to purchase music and merchandise from Necronomicon? Well, uh, you can always go to Season of Mist uh, record sites, of course, that are all label. Uh, there's a, a U.S. division on top of that, so it's uh, you don't have to pay in euros and all that stuff, you know. So you can always like go on the Season of Mist site that I have a section for U.S. Uh, especially for U.S. online, you can order the album there. And uh, there's a new shirt, a special uh, shirt that's coming. It's a, uh, for uh, for there's a package right now. I don't I, I actually I haven't received it yet, so <laughs> have a, I'm, I'm still waiting for it. Uh, with a shirt, a special shirt for Advent with a, the new band uh, symbol. And uh, of course, it's always on our Facebook page. Once in a while, we're posting the links, and uh, you have like a, you can always a band brand. Uh, go on bandbrand. That's um, .ca. That's uh, where you can buy directly from the band. Uh, different shirts and stuff like that. We're we run out of CDs right now, but in production, so it's going to be back uh, online really soon. Uh, there's new project uh, products uh, coming really soon also. But uh, yeah, you, it's our season of mist uh, site on the like I said on the US part. There's your US shop. And on the Facebook of the band, there's a link also uh, for the merch. I want to urge our listeners to do that. I have ordered through that Season of Mist uh, shop, and it's it's very easy for U.S. users to it do. Is, no yeah. problems there. Um, and during this Advent season, you must pick up Advent of the Human God. It is a killer album. Again, I've been listening to it over and over and over the past few weeks. It's not the longest album but man these tracks just pound into your head they're really catchy but very aggressive i think every metal fan out there will love it rob thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the great metal debate 
I thank you very much. Uh, really happy to be here, and I hope everyone enjoyed the show. And uh, don't forget to pick up the copy of Advent of the Human God. Mm-hmm.